Please sit comfortably, everyone. So welcome back, everyone, to a new year of practice. And also, um, before I forget, just thank you to um, everyone, to all of your uh, kind words in your emails last year, at the end of last year, um, to me as a teacher. Um, just have a few brief words for tonight. But I suppose when I reflect on um, the break and uh, if, I, if I reflect on some of the uh, strong experiences I had during that time, maybe the same as other people, but I found myself being quite um, disturbed um, about what was happening in American politics. Um, I don't want to go into talking about American politics at the moment, but um, some of the disturbing things that came out of that about what what human beings can do or what human beings are capable of. And one of the things that disturbed me was um, how, basically, how delusional people can be. How how people can invest in delusion in the face of the truth that may be in front of them. And like I said, I don't really want to talk about American politics other than to say that it disturbed me, but I just want to really use that as a platform for talking about uh, Dharma practice and the use of language uh, in Dharma practice. And um, there's a quote from um, uh, Ludwig Wittgenstein, who was a German-English philosopher who wrote a lot about language and philosophy. And he said, you cannot enter any world for which you do not know the language. And that is true of learning another culture's language, like Aboriginal language or Italian or Spanish, whatever it might be or even a field of knowledge like neuroscience or history or uh, medicine, anything like that. Um, you learn the language and the language brings with it a kind of a story or it shapes the way that we look at the world. And one of the things to bring this back to Dharma practice is that we all got introduced to Buddhism and Zen and Dharma in general through language. We heard talks like I'm giving now, do you know, or read books. And we were introduced to words like enlightenment, do you know, satori, kensho, do you know, um, greed, hatred and ignorance, do you know, the four noble truths, um, the seven factors of enlightenment, do you know, the parameters. So we are not free of language either. And, and its language creates partly creates our Dharma world. You know, when we entered into committing to some kind of Dharma practice, there was some kind of story that we believed in. And if I reflect on it personally, the story would be that um, uh, there's some kind of awakening experience that I can have. And if you do meditation genuinely enough and sincerely enough for a long time and you act as ethically as you can and you kind of purify yourself then something will occur to you 
and your life will be transformed in some way. That is, that's the story of the Buddha. And uh, one of the things we've really got to consider in this is that's just a story. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a Buddha story. And uh, it may be a way of entering into the practice, and I'm not denying that all those things, like all of those verbal Buddhist teachings and so on, are valuable in some way in, in guiding us. But our, our ultimate practice is to see through language and, and the webs that it creates and the stories that it creates around us because it is so easy through Dharma practice to know the language and to speak the language, but you're just identified with another story. And so what it does is the story maintains a sense of a a separate self and self-validation. Uh, like we, we just learned the words, you know, enlightenment and, and awakening and no self and emptiness and so on and impermanence. And we identify it with, as it is a story. But really what happens along the way, this is why Sazen is such an important aspect of practice because it's non-verbal. You know, Sazen in itself is not about language. It's not about thinking, it's not about putting words to things. It is just the experience of turning up to each moment in silence. And when you do that long enough, you start to see through the stories. Not only do you see through the cultural stories that have created who you think you are, or the family stories that you think you are, but also the Dharma stories as to what you think you are. And uh, so what happens with Dharma practice is that you get to a place more and more and more. One, in, a, in an ongoing journey sense of it, um, you, just take, you just seem to see through stories and you just seem to take them far more lightly. In other words, you're not as heavily attached to them with your own, your own personal story or a cultural story or a a political story or whatever. You're just simply not as invested in it. And there's a point eventually where they kind of just, the stories just evolve. You're actually experiencing life as itself rather than the story. Right? Now you can make a story up about it and some of them might be interesting stories or funny stories or whatever, but it's kind of like the experience comes first, not the story. The experience comes first and then you may want to make some sense of it out with language. And when the, the sort of basic insight of Dharma practice, without using any fancy kinds of words, is that what it leads you to is a sense of connectedness with everything. That, that's all it is, simply. And with connectedness comes intimacy and what comes with it is inclusion. So. What's important, we can't get away from using language, but what is important is, is the difference in language that comes out of connectedness and inclusion. Yeah? And what is the opposite to that is the language that comes out of um, judgment and comparison and separation. You know, they're things like racism 
do you know, for example, do you know, status-driven views of the world all come out of um, a sense of division, superiority, right, wrong, mm -hmm. comparison. So one of the things, we can't get away from language and stories as human beings, but as we go along through practice, language and the way we, we use language shapes the way we look at the world and the way we look at the world shapes our language. So one way of understanding how we're um, deepening into the practice is how our language changes. If our, if, our, if our experience of the world is more of one of inclusiveness and connectedness, then the language that will emerge out of that will be language which is not judgmental, you know, which is not based on comparisons, which is not based on separateness, you know. So out of that kind, you know, language which is based on kindness evolves. Um, so they kind of feed one another. You have, the, you have the inside of connection and a different language emerges. And then as you speak that language of, in, of connectedness, then it, it has a synergy to it. You know? It has a cyclical kind of um, experience to it. So basically the message I want to get across tonight, yes, we do this practice, we do sitting I speak more words than anyone, right? <laughs> more guilty than anyone. But at the, eventually what we've got to see that this is not about words. It's not about beliefs. It's not about stories. Um, it's not that at all. That's why you hear, you know, Bodhidharma saying, you know, that um, the Zen tradition is outside scriptures and phrases and words. It, it, it truly means it. It really is pointing us beyond all of that. It's pointing us beyond beyond language to what just is. And it's important that we keep that in mind um, as we do this practice. <laughs>